tonight, if you would, and we'll let you remain seated. But if uh, we're going to begin in 1 Samuel chapter number 13, and I hope you grab one of the outlines on the way in. Anybody did not get one? Raise your hand. Want to make sure, raise your hand, anybody at all? Looks like most people did grab those on the way in, and you can follow along tonight. And as we begin this brand new series on the 23rd Psalm, say, Pastor, I thought we're covering the 23rd Psalm. What are we doing in 1 Samuel chapter number 13? Well, as I was thinking about getting into this series, I was thinking about the man that God used. And of course, we understand uh, who that individual is. We'll talk a little bit about him tonight, which is really the, the message as we get into Psalm 23, really next Sunday. But I've entitled tonight's message on this Father's Day evening, God Found His Man. And I really believe that the Lord is still looking for not only men, but women to stand in the gap and do what God would have them to do. We call that the will of God. And so tonight, when we look in 1 Samuel chapter number 13, the Bible says, Samuel said to Saul, now Saul here, Old Testament is talking about King Saul. And so the Bible says that Samuel, the prophet said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly, thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee, for now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. Of course, we understand that you go back, you understand that God told Saul that he was supposed to completely annihilate the enemies. Uh, do away with them, and of course we understand that he did not do as the Lord had commanded him, and that's the reference here, and it's sad that, that the consequences that come when we don't obey God. And the Bible says here that Saul's kingdom, it would have been forever, but because he did not obey the Lord, notice the Bible continues to say, but now thy kingdom shall not continue, the Lord has sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. Now again, without going back and looking through many verses and even a few chapters, we can fast forward into the New Testament of our Bibles in Acts chapter 13, and we see what the Bible's talking about here in 1 Samuel 13. The Bible says in Acts 13, afterward, they, talking about Israel, they desired a king, and God gave unto them Saul, the son of Sis, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the space of 40 years. And when he had removed him, making reference there how God removed Saul, the Bible says God raised up, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Of this man's seed hath God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. Now this, again, is making reference to the Lord's coming and how it was through David and the, the lineage there. It's a wonderful uh, portion of scripture here talking about how 
that, that Saul lost out. And I think it's a great, tremendous lesson for us to understand. But listen, what we need to say is, I want to be like David. I want to be a man or a woman who has a heart for the things of God, that has a heart of, of wanting what God wants. And so tonight, we're introducing this 23rd Psalm. And as we introduce it, we're going to look here at the human penman, which is none other than the the psalmist, David, who was the shepherd king. And of course, uh, just a little depiction tonight. I think sometimes pictures help us to understand a little bit because you think about David's life early on when David was out in the field and he was a, just, in many regards, a simple shepherd boy. But little did people know that one day that this shepherd boy would become the king of Israel, a man after God's own heart. So God's word, as you study it, here's what you find is, as you've been reading, that we find that God places a tremendous effort uh, and, and emphasis, really, on the life of David. In the Bible, you actually find 1,127 times David is mentioned in the word of God. Now, to help you understand the magnitude of that, in the New Testament, probably the man that was used mightily of God more than others would have been Paul, who was Saul of Tarsus. When you look at that, Saul, Paul, was only mentioned 163 times versus David's 1,127 times. So certainly, God places a tremendous emphasis on the life of David. There are just a handful of chapters in the Bible even dedicated to great men of old, the patriarchs, Abraham and even Joseph, but 54 chapters in the Word of God are designated to and given to David, and that doesn't even include the Psalms. And of course, David wrote a good portion of what we call the book of Psalms. Now, what is it that God would have us, as we get into this study on Sunday nights on the 23rd Psalm, what is it that God would have us to know about this man, David? Tonight, we want to think about that. Why was David so mightily blessed and used of the Lord? I think it's a, a great study for us. I know in my life, that is one of my prayers, is that God would use my life, that God would help me to help others. And I hope that's your heart tonight, that, that I want to be a blessing. I want to help others to grow in the Lord and to, to encourage people the way that maybe Barnabas did, even Saul, who became Paul in the New Testament. So when I look at David's life, and he was so mightily blessed and used of God, I find that what God did for David, maybe even back when David was a shepherd boy, was God was preparing him, and of course God chose him, and this is important, as he chose him, he chose him to lead his generation. And here we are, I'm looking around the auditorium tonight, I see young and old alike, I see all of us have an opportunity in the world we live, all of us have influence with our family, our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, every one of us, just like David, have an opportunity to lead in our generation for God. Now, you may have never thought of that, but the absolute truth is God saved you. God has placed you where he did. He's even given you favor in the job that you have so that you can make a difference in your generation the way David made a difference in his. I don't know if you've ever considered your life that way, but God has prepared you and God has chosen you. You could be like David, who is forever known as a man after 
God's own heart. What a great testimony to someone's life to be a person after God's own heart. So tonight, as we prepare to get into Psalm 23 next week, let's take a look into David's life. And as we do, we begin here in chapter number 13, 1 Samuel, and we see that the prophet Samuel was a man that was used of God, but in the closing days of Samuel's life, much like is going on in the world today, Samuel had a very heavy heart over the condition of Israel, God's people in that day. He was concerned not only over the people, but the condition of the kingdom of Israel. You see, as we just looked at Saul's life as the king, that we find that God had rejected King Saul. And at this point, Israel was desperately in need of leadership, someone to lead God's people. And the Bible says, notice here in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse number 1, how the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? He tells Samuel the prophet, look at this, Fill thine horn with oil and go, I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. God had rejected Saul because God, who sees all, knows all, God seen what was in the heart of Saul, that Saul's life was about him. He was consumed with uh, making a name for himself, about the power that he had as the king. But as a result of God taking the blessing away from Saul, God chose David to take his place. Now, why did he choose David? Because just like God saw something in Saul's heart that he did not like, God saw, saw something in David's heart that he did like. He saw a young man who had a heart for the things of God. And this is what we need to focus on as we get into Psalm 23 next week. See, God, I really believe, just like in the days of David, is still looking for those who have a heart for him. Notice what somebody said. When God looks for somebody to bless and God looks for somebody to use, where does God look? He looks at the heart. How's your heart tonight? Is your heart in tune with God? Are you wanting the things that God wants or are you wanting the things that the flesh and this world desire? Notice three things with me tonight as we consider how God found his man. First of all, I see that the Lord is in control. We live in a day just like Samuel's day. Samuel felt like the kingdom of Israel was out of control. Uh, Saul was out of control, the people were out of control, much like the world we live in today, it just seems like every day you wake up and nothing surprises you or shocks you anymore on the news because this world is not getting better, it is getting worse by the minute. And Saul, Samuel felt the same in his day, that the kingdom of Israel was out of control. The nation, the people of God, had rejected the leadership and notice that they, just like the warring nations around them, they desired to have a king. They wanted someone. That's sad because that's all God ever wanted was to be their God. He wanted them to worship him. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God 
with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength. There shall be no other gods before me. And we find in our lives that many times it could be a job, it could be a spouse, it could be uh, some, some material possession of ours that we put between us and God, that thing or that job or whatever it may be becomes more important to us than God himself and the nation of Israel. They, they were the same way. They said, listen, we don't want God by their very actions. They said, we want to be like all the other nations. We want a king. Be careful what you ask for. God gave them what they asked for. He gave them Saul to be their king. And Israel's king, of course, eventually became rejected by God because of his disobedience. And it seemed like in Samuel's life, as he looked around and saw uh, the, the situation in his day, that everything that Samuel had lived for and had, had stood for God, it seemed like everything was falling apart. And we too, in our lives, I find that we experience difficulties and when we experience these difficulties, we need to remember exactly what we're looking at here tonight, and that is, no matter what is happening in the world, think of this, God is in control. See, listen, nothing surprises God, nothing happens that God is not aware of, and I want you to look at a couple of verses tonight that really helped me as I was thinking about this matter of God being in control. Philippians 4, look at verse 5. The Bible says, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Notice as Paul writes to the church there in Philippi, he says this to them, be careful for nothing. You know, we too can be careful for nothing. Why? Because we know that the Lord is at hand. That means that God is always near us, that the Bible says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. David understood this in his life. He, he, listen, when he, when he walked up onto that scene where Goliath was blaspheming the army of Israel and the God of Israel. Now listen, he had nothing to worry about. He was careful for nothing. Why? Because he knew that the Lord was at hand. He knew that God was there with him, that God was ultimately in control. Otherwise, he could not have said to that giant of a man what he did say, and that is that this day that you will fall before our God, and he was able to take the giant's head from his shoulders Listen, we, we do not have to worry our way through life. Why? Because we know as, as God's children that God is in control. You might be facing something in your life and understand that although, doctor, although the doctors can't figure it out, although other people don't know what to say to you, I will tell you this, that God is in control. And we have nothing to worry about. And when I look at this passage here in 1 Samuel 16, Notice what God again says to Samuel. Notice the words in verse 1. He says to Samuel, how long, Samuel, how long are you going to mourn for Saul? I mean, think about it. Saul disobeyed. 
Saul did not do what God asked him to do, what God commanded him to do. What God was really saying to the prophet Samuel was, how long will you go without trusting me in this matter? I'm sure that Samuel thought, wait a minute, God, I mean, this is the one that you allowed to be the king of your people, and now you're going to remove him from that position What's going to happen now? What are the people going to do? He began to think about how is this going to spin out of control? And God says, look, don't mourn for Saul. When are you going to stop mourning and just trust me in this matter? It was something that Samuel was having difficulty in giving this to God. And I think a lot of us have, whether we want to call it things or whatever it might be in our lives, some of us struggle from time to time giving certain things to God. Uh, maybe you've had times in your life where when it comes to surrendering things, just giving them up. But I have found in my life that when I surrender those things that I struggle with, that I, I don't really know what to do about, that when I give up those things, that here's what I find is that God gives to me immediate deliverance. And that's exactly what happens here. God gives a sweet comfort to us in the fact that we know that God is in control. That's what Samuel was struggling with. And Samuel had to understand, like many of us have learned to understand, or maybe will in the days ahead, is the Lord is in control. See, when I think about Psalm 23, and I hear those words that David wrote, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down beside the, the, the still waters and the green pastures, Listen, he anointed my head, my cup runneth over. All of those things. How could David write those things? Because he, in his heart he knew that the Lord was in control. But notice, secondly, I see also that the Lord is not only in control, but he's always working. The Lord is always working. There is something that God is always doing, and we do not always see God's work, but I'll tell you this, God is always working. God was preparing young David, the shepherd. And when nobody knew about David, he was some obscure, young, ruddy boy out in the field with smelling like sheep and the youngest of the brothers, the sons of Jesse. But notice here, as nobody knew anything about him, there was someone that knew him, and that was the Lord. In our lives, listen, nobody may know us, I, t I told somebody years ago, I said, listen, I'm okay with being a nobody as long as I can be somebody for the Lord. And in your heart, you ought to say, listen, it doesn't matter if people know me. It doesn't matter if, if I'm not included in, in maybe people's uh, whatever it might be, clubs or whatever it might be. But I'll tell you this, all of us need to have this desire to just do what God would have for us to do in our lives. And that's what David was doing. Look at these verses in 1 Samuel 16 and verse number 6. The Bible shows us how the Lord is always working here. In verse number 6, the Bible says, And it came to pass, when they were come, that they looked on Eliab. Here's this whole scene now. Saul's throne, his kingdom had been taken from him. And now Samuel stands there and the sons of Jesse come before him. And the Bible says that, that they came and they looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, 
on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. In other words, he's not the one. The Bible says, For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for the man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord, here it is again, he looketh on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. This isn't him either. Then Jesse made Shammah to pass by. And he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, Well, there remaineth yet the youngest. Behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto him, Jesse, send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come to thee. I mean, here's this scene where every one of the sons of Jesse, except for the youngest, I find here that God, as we just talked about Samuel, and Samuel trying to figure out what's going on, why is, it seems like life is out of control, the kingdom is out of control, who's going to take over after Saul has been dethroned, and so God had to deal with his prophet, he dealt with Samuel, and then we find here that God then had to deal with Jesse, the, the, the father of all these boys, and then we find that God had to deal with Jesse's sons, one by one, they came. And God says, nope, this is not him, this is not him, this is not him. And then we find here that finally, God comes to David. Just as he was working in the lives of all these people, Samuel, and he's working in Jesse's life, and the sons of Jesse, and even in David's life, I really believe that God wants to work in your life just like he worked in their lives. God wants to be involved in our lives, and so Samuel was beginning to wonder as each one of these sons passed by, he was beginning to wonder, was God working? And I, maybe you've had times in your life where it just seems like, God, are, are you there? God, are, are you even, do you even care about me? I mean, don't you understand what I'm going through? Remember, I told you that God is always working. And, and there have been times maybe in your life, like in mine, where you might feel like, God is not working at all, but many times as God is working, sometimes we get to the place in our lives where we really don't believe that great things can be done in our lives. Do we not serve a great God? A God that can do anything? Is anything too hard for God? And this was what was happening here. God was at work, and we should long, like David in his heart, to, to see God do a mighty work in our lives and do a mighty work in our family and do a mighty work in our church and in our nation. Listen, we need to understand that the Lord is in control and that the Lord is always working. But then notice here, and I love this particular because this takes us right into when we start Psalm 23. Notice the Lord uses people whom others overlook. You know, you remember maybe years ago when you were in high school and you got the yearbook and at the end, I think they called them the superlatives or something like that. And one of them was the least likely to succeed. The one you would never guess. The one that you would think to yourself, well, he or she is never going to amount to anything. <laughs> I've had times where 
Uh, I've uh, not many in, in my uh, last 30 so, or so odd years, but where I've, I've been around people and, 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 you know, they're asking about, well, what are you doing now? What are you doing? You know, everybody's comparing, you know, they want to see if their life's better than your life and so on. And, and, and I've, I've had a few people say, well, what do you do for a living? Now, you have to understand, I graduated from a Catholic high school. And so they, what are you doing? And I, a lot of times, I used to think, should I say it or should I not? And now I, I just enjoy it because I always love to see some reactions. And I'll, I'll say to them, I'll say, well, I'm, I'm a Baptist preacher. You're what? <laughs> I mean, if, you know, if you would have been with me back in high school when I, when I flunked speech class. <laughs> I mean, if you would have been with me when I couldn't, I couldn't hardly say anything right and still mess a lot of things up even to this day. I mean, listen, I'll tell you, oftentimes when you see people being mightily used of God, many times those are people that others often overlook. And David was one of those. Samuel said to Jesse, I mean, he says, Jesse, are these all your boys? Isn't there, do you have another one? Because, I mean, God has clearly said, none of this, this isn't him, this isn't him, this isn't all, all seven of them pass, and the Bible says, notice in verse number 12 of 1 Samuel 16, and he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and with all a, of a beautiful countenance, goodly to look to. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. On that particular day, when Samuel came to the house of Jesse, no one would have thought it was going to be the youngest son of Jesse. Nobody would have picked David, the, the youngest son that was always out in the field. And if anyone would have certainly loved to meet the prophet Saul, it would have been David, the sweet psalmist of Israel. David, unfortunately, was out in the field. He was forgotten and he was overlooked. David had arrived. He came as he was called because Samuel said, look, until your youngest son comes, Jesse, we're not going to sit down. We're not going to enjoy the rest of the day. We're going to wait until he comes. And David comes from the field and God said to Samuel, this here is my king. This is the one that I want you to anoint to be the next king of my people. Look what the Bible says. I think it puts it into perspective in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 26. The Bible says, For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world, to confound the wise, and God had chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised, hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. I mean, think about it. Here's David. I mean, his brothers are standing head and shoulders above him. I mean, he is young and he is 
ruddy, and I mean, he's, he, when they looked at him, they thought, to, just like when David came upon that scene in one chapter over in chapter 17, and David comes up, and even when he, he decides, hey, listen, I'll go fight this giant if nobody else, remember what Saul said, he, say, he says, here, if you're going to go, then at least take my armor. Remember, David says, I can't, I can't wear this, I haven't proven it. I mean, there was no way that David could wear the armor of Saul. Saul was a big man himself. And we find here that God is working in such a way that as he selects and he chooses and he prepares David uh, for this great assignment to be the king of his people, that when you look at David, just like Jesse and his sons, and I think even Samuel, that God got all the glory out of it. I mean, listen, nobody would have picked David. See, a lot of times we do things so that we can get the glory. We enjoy the praise, just like those the Bible describes in Jesus' day who desire the uppermost seats so that men will praise them and men will recognize them. Hey, listen, where is the David tonight that will say, listen, I, I, I'm okay being out in the field. I'm okay being unknown. That, that, that might be overlooked, but I just want to be used by God. And we find here that God was at work, and the reason that we find it this way is because of the selection that he made, that God would get the glory and men would not. And when you and I and the human beings try our best to steal the glory of God, here's what happens. The blessings of God will stop in our lives. Because only God is worthy to be glorified. I love that song that Brother Kenny just sung, Oh, magnify the Lord. We need to lift him up. Jesus Christ came. He was manifested in the flesh. And he said that if we would lift him up, that he would draw all men unto himself. You know why people aren't getting saved in these days? Because we're not lifting up the Lord. See, people need to see the Lord. I love the way Isaiah presented the Lord in Isaiah 6 where he said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He was sitting high on his throne. And we need to see God for who he is. Instead of stealing his glory, may God get all the glory. The Lord is not concerned. And you see this in the selection of David. God's not concerned with our ability. What God is concerned with is the condition of our hearts. God knew all about David's heart. That's why God chose David. And when God looks at your heart and he looks at mine, does God find someone that he can bless? Does God find someone that he can use? I think this is why Psalm 23 is very unique. It's because of the, the man that God found the man that God allowed to pen the words that we call Psalm 23. You see, God is in heaven above. And God sees things differently than we do. You see, God sees the big picture. We don't see things the way that God does. And I, I think about Vacation Bible School this week. Even though the boys and girls will not be here with us, and I think about our children's classes, and hopefully we'll be able to get back to those pretty soon. But I tell our Sunday school teachers sometimes, and I want you to think about this. We have no idea who those little boys and girls are that go to our children's church, go to our Sunday school classes, 
sit before us as we teach them the Word of God. We may think to ourselves, well, he's just a troubled little boy, just a little girl that can't sit still in class. But you know what we need to see is we need to see a little David sitting there. Someone that God could use. Somebody that God could bless. And it might be a little David or it could be a little Davina sitting there that could be maybe the next pastor of this church, maybe the next pastor's wife of this church, maybe the next deacon like Brother Gusslet, or maybe the next deacon's wife like Miss Caitlin. It might, might be somebody that could be a teacher here at our church. Listen, there's a God in heaven that desires to bless and to use our lives. God wanted to use David. I thought to myself, and I think it's a fair question tonight, would you allow God to use your life, to do something with your life as he desires? Look what the Bible says here in Psalm 53 and verse 2. God looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand, that did seek God. I wonder tonight, is there some Christians tonight that understand what God wants to do with your life, that have a heart, that are seeking after God's own heart? If God were to look at you tonight, will you be the man or will you be the woman that God would find? Will you bow your heads with me tonight with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? Lord, think about this simple Straight introduction tonight when I think about Psalm 23. Lord, there's no mistake or accident that you chose David, not just for this one psalm, but for many of the psalms in our Bible. God, how you took this obscure, young, youngest son of Jesse, his father, past all of his older brothers, even the prophet wouldn't have never picked David. But God, you chose him. You prepared him while he was out in the field tending sheep, doing the will of his father. And I pray that you would prepare us. Lord, we know there's a greater work. Even this week, as we do vacation Bible school, what a great opportunity before us to help point boys and girls to the one true God. The world's not going to teach them about God, but Lord, may you help us as your church to point them to you. Lord, I pray that some boys and girls would put their faith and trust in you this week, and other boys and girls would make decisions to live for you. I think about fathers today. I pray for fathers that maybe just like Jesse here in the Bible in 1 Samuel, that have all these children. I pray that we would instill in each one of our children to live for you, to obey you, to not be like Saul because of his disobedience, your hand of blessing was taken from him. And may we not forget that no matter what is happening, what's going on in this world, that you are in control. 
that you are always working, whether we see it or not, and that you have a desire to use people that many times are overlooked by so many others. I thank you for the life of David. I look forward to this study. I pray that you would bless our week now, and we'll ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.